When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen. Yes, it's always wonderful when we get to record in the studio with a special guest. James, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well. How are you guys? Very good, very good. Now, I know you personally. Kate's got to know you today a bit more because uh, you guys sat down and recorded a, a cash flow masterclass in our office or in our boardroom. Uh, so, that's available on Rask Education. Uh, and we'd highly encourage anyone who's looking to get on top of their budget, understand where their cash flow goes, to take a look at everything that Kate and James have put together because it's really comprehensive. Mate, Obviously, I'm an informational advantage here. Can you fill us in a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Northeast, what you do, how you got involved in the industry? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are today. Yeah, I'd love to. Hey, guys. Hello. Uh, well, financial advisor. I've been a financial advisor since 2009. Um, I got a pretty easy step into the game. My my Both of my parents were financial advisors. And um, so, uh, I- I was from 16, 17, I was sort of helping my dad out with some financial advisory documents and things like that. The, Is that the, your part-time job during yeah, high school? part-time gig, that's <laughs> right. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I just, I was lucky enough really early to get a sense for for the sort of, you know, for the work. And then um, I, I really enjoyed uh, particularly that, that that element of helping people with with, the speci- with their personal goals and the things that they want to achieve. Okay. Um, and I think I was probably quite blessed because, uh, because it, my parents didn't work for a, a big institution um, where it was uh, where it was all about the products. Um, you know, they, they, they worked for themselves, and they had really tight relationships with with their clients. And um, you know, and it was all about goals, and it was all about 
it was all about personal outcomes and you know and, and relationships and so um so i that, that inspired me to to get started and, and go down that journey um and uh obviously it was quite easy for me to go down that journey because i already mm. had uh, had people in in that group uh, in that career uh i spent a little while working the family business and uh then after not too long uh went out on my own went to some small practices uh i found myself at what i thought was this totally plum job uh, it, I was I was about 25 and I, I got a gig at the Commonwealth Bank as a financial advisor. Oh, yeah. And the, like as a 25 year old, like my perception was just like this is the this is the pinnacle of of, <laughs> of, of advice. Yeah, like job done. Wonder what I'm going to do next in my life. And um, uh, it I mean the, the, the experience was was different. Um, it, it, it it especially coming from that small mm, practice. Okay. Yeah, it was it was very very much about about the products and and making sure that you know, people were just given the products that were going to best suit them the products were good but it just missed the point like the, the whole point was around uh helping people make more progress and what outcomes they had and this didn't really do any of that so um it was uh a few years later i finished up and went and started my own practice and and that's northeast and we're uh and we're rolling along strong yeah that's great um what type of clients do you typically work with is it everyone or no? We're not everyone. So we're um we we're working with predominantly accumulators, pretty heavily accumulators. So they're they're those people that are um you know they're making financial progress, working hard. Most of the people that we work with are pretty ambitious and have a real focus on trying to achieve more things in their lives. Um, uh, I mean, we, we work with quite a few uh, with with professionals and executives, but we've got got some great some great members that are tradies that just um. They're just working super hard, and again, they sort of understand that hey, we've got heaps of stuff we want to do in our lives, and we realise that if we're good with our money, that's probably going to help a long way toward doing that stuff. Mm. Just, one more question on how you operate the business: do, do people, when they contact you, I imagine there's a lot of people that listen to this, if they want to contact you, and they might be unsure if they're the right fit for you, can they? Do they call and say, "This is who I am," and then you guys kind of triage? Uh, clients that come through and say, oh, we're maybe not the right fit, but maybe someone else is. Is that how it tends to work? Yeah, in a lot of cases. Um, I, I often get asked about this question around you know, sort of who should see a financial advisor. And um, I, 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 it's, it's, it's very similar to that of the idea of seeing a personal trainer, I feel, um, because in many respects, we, we do a similar role. You know, we, it's not just about the execution. It's also about accountability. It's about, um, it's about having a plan and sticking to that plan. Um, and then also, you know, people don't necessarily know what, what plans they want. So it's constructing it. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I, the, the reason I use that analogy is if you think about a personal trainer, not everyone in the gym needs to see a personal trainer. You know, if you um, if, if there are people that go to the gym or go they have their own routine that's consistent, they're reliable, it's on, it's, it exactly matches what they want to achieve. Um, if a personal trainer ran up to them and said, "Hey, look, you know, we just have to work together," they're entitled to say, "Well, why? Like, yeah. I, I'm I'm on track, life's good." Um, but that doesn't make the role of personal trainer. It doesn't make it um, uh, you know, unvaluable, like because yeah. it's. For, for the right person, those people that say, look, to be honest, I probably could have more discipline or I am feeling a little bit lost. Even sure, I am rocking up to the gym most days, but frankly, I don't 
I don't necessarily get all that much out of it or I, I sabotage all of my progress with the things that I do on uh, like when I'm out of the gym in terms of diet and they're mm. the people that are going to get the most value from working with a PT and you, they're the people that are going to get the most value from working with a financial advisor. Mm. There's a lot of value in that having someone that you can be accountable to and that can actually help you execute that plan because we know a lot of our community they find all the information, they research all the brokerage accounts, all the different options. And then when it comes to actually making a decision, executing, that's where a huge barrier is. And so having someone that you can talk to to help you overcome that is a really important part of mm. your financial journey. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Analysis paralysis, right? We, we, we you, talk- everyone, You get that with your clients a lot? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, one of the questions that we ask every member that comes through, we ask them about how they make decisions and- because um, the role of an advisor is to help facilitate better decisions, right? Mm. Um, and so uh, we ask how how decisive are you, and and also you know how do you formulate your decisions? Are you the gut based person over here, or are you the high high detail scour the PDS type person? Um, mm. And what we find is that the people the scour the PDS people tend to be indecisive. The gut based people tend to be quite decisive because the the filtering to make a decision is smaller, um, mm. and so you tend to make more decisions. Something that's interesting is that I like uh, over time, I'm observing that the people that make more progress tend to actually be more gut based, and I don't think that's because you make a better quality decision. I just think it's because you make more of them. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, if more you action oriented, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so so yeah, spot on. Um, there's I mean, that's a great thing that you guys do, of course, is to cut through so much of that noise because. Financial, like finances in general, are bloody noisy. Uh, James, one of the areas that it's important to take some action, but most often we don't because the word budgeting gets a really bad rap and mm. it just seems like a, a word that means we don't get what we want. Um, why, do you, why do you think it gets such a bad rap and why do we often bury our head in the sand when it comes to looking at what's coming in and out of our bank account each month? Because you don't always get what you want, I think, is probably... Um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, I mean, firstly, the, the the act of completing a budget is is actually a pretty it's a pretty boring exercise. You know, if if mm. if you're one of those human beings that uh, wakes up in the morning and is is thrilled at the prospect of spending your Saturday doing a budget, then power to you. You know, but you're a very very small representation of the yeah. of, of the population <laughs> if you're that person. And so, for the vast majority of people, firstly, it's overwhelming. Um, you know, just. It, Inputting all that information and feeling like it's this huge mountain to climb in order to get it right. Maybe part of that comes from people feeling like I've, if I'm going to do this perfectly, then uh, it's going to take ages, which, which is a trap because it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it, it, what you want is progress rather than something that's perfect. Mm. Uh, and in terms of people not uh, not being motivated to do it, I think that um, people don't necessarily. Uh, have a good enough lens as to how much value it's going to add to actually do one. Um, so they don't know like what the outcome is. That's if right. I go through all this pain. Yeah, of looking right. at my bank. What's the game? Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's that from having taken a lot of members through it, I like I know first I know firsthand. It's just it's it's everything. It's so important when it comes to making almost all of your important financial decisions, um, and the quality of your financial decisions goes up. Fivefold, tenfold, like just by such a huge number, if you have confidence around those expenses. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, for, for most people, like that's a 
that, that's a relative thing. You, you can't make a decision as an individual and say, that decision was three times better because I did a budget. You know, you um, you because you don't have that baseline. You're not fortunate enough to see heaps mm. of people doing it and be able to assess that they were good decisions and they were bad. So, mm. um, yeah, I wouldn't say people would let you look at their budget very often. No, I don't think anyone's shown me their personal budget. <laughs> no, no, it's it's even hard enough for couples to talk about, right? Hey, question: Why do you call them like your clients members or members clients? Like, why why, why is that? Why do you make that distinction? Um, it's, it's actually a fairly new distinction that we've made. So it's not this thing that we've been doing for, for decades. Um, but the, we two reasons. The first reason is because th- our members really do have a, a, a – they have a real say in terms of how we go about what we do. Mm. Um, I think we do a good task of uh, getting our members' feedback to ask, hey, what are we doing well and what can we improve and really taking that feedback on board and, and that improves the experience for everyone. So mm. that's one. Um, but then the other part of it is – I think just that separation of it's where we, we work together here. Um, now, when we, whether we, if not just in terms of having events, for example, but also the, we're all in a similar situation as if, if we were to put all of our members in a room together and they're all to interact, you know, that all, that all reflect on the fact that, hey, we are all quite similar. We are all striving toward our own things that we want. And so we wanted it to be, feel more inclusive rather than just me on my own out here with my, individual relationship with my advisor. Mm. Um, I've got to admit, I, also, I remember speaking to you not long ago about how you got feedback from your members and incorporated ESG into the investing mix as well. I know this is quite tangent to what we we're going to talk about today, but I remember that because you were like, well, turns out a lot of the clients or members wanted that, so we now incorporate that um, as a big part, in fact, as the whole part. If the I'm whole honest. part now, yeah. yeah. We've, um, we've now made that jump, so... Uh, when when someone gets in touch with us, if if they said, "Hey, we love what you're about. Everything is great. Five family five family members are with you, and so we're just we're in. Just where do we sign? The only thing is where we're not at all interested in sustainable investing. We'd say, okay, we're not a fit. You know, we um we've got that's our approach now. We're really committed to that. Yeah, um, and um that was driven initially by member demand. Um, and then that was the thing that allowed us to say, let's start deep diving into this. And when we came out the other end, we said, hey, this is like we're all in here. Yep. That's the right thing to do. Um, you mentioned a phrase before, a process over perfection. And that kind of ties into what you're seeing with the gut feel of people. I think so many people listen to this show. I think you'd agree, Kate. They're like, they just never take action. Like some people will listen to this show for a year and not do one thing, mm. which is fine if you're listening, keep listening. But, <laughs> um, but I think that's such a good phrase for describing the inertia that comes with making positive change you don't need to do everything in one day mm. even just one thing and then that compounds the decision compounds would you agree a hundred percent yeah and i i've reflected many times on my own life and even little moments in my life right now where i think ah oh, no you you're you're waiting to try to be able to serve something up and that's that's of a, of a really high quality when you would be better just getting started and saying yeah look to be honest in my own mind it's only 70 or 80 percent done but I've learned so much by getting that to 80% instead of just avoiding it, avoiding yeah. it and it's sitting on the sidelines over here until I can have all my ducks in a row to be able to to fix it. Yeah, mm. without a doubt, making incremental progress is just mm. so much more valuable than trying to scale that mountain first time. Mm. Yeah, and I think the one one of the things that can be overwhelming with budgeting is just knowing where to start and what are those numbers you need to know. And I know the, the spreadsheet that we and you work through in that course is quite comprehensive. It Mm. has a lot of different things to fill in. It gives you a five-year projection, which is great. And I'd say it's for more 
people that are ready to take the next step with their budgeting and their cash flow. But if someone's really new to figuring out what's coming in in and out of their bank account, what are those? What would you say the the key numbers? you really need to know to get started with having a better understanding of your finances are? Great question. Uh, the first the, the first metric, if you had only one, yeah. it'd be what's left every month. And that, that would have to be the dominant metric. If you're lucky enough to have three or $4,000 a month left over by the time that you receive your income and then you, all of your expenses go out or, or, or higher, um, then hats off to you. You're in a, you're in a really, really good you're in a great place and perhaps the conversation for you is not so much around how to better budget but more so what should you be doing with with that surplus mm. um uh it's when that metric is tight it's it's when we see that not only is that much metric might be really low or perhaps even negative some months but also a lot of people right now are observing compression on that number mm. right yeah, like, savings rates going way down yeah yeah for, for me personally i, for, I have a first-hand experience of of my savings rate deteriorating over the last 12 months quite significantly and we're on fixed rates so it hasn't been fixed rates mm. that have done that it's going to hurt a lot when that rolls through of course as it will for a lot of mm. people um but uh but it's it, yeah I, I think knowing what that number is firstly that can just be a really simple way of saying do i need to take action on this or not mm. i think i mean there's a lot to unpack there um I think one of the things that people tend to put up as like a, I wouldn't say it's a limiting belief, but it's definitely an artificial roadblock that they put in front of themselves is they'll say, they'll say something like, oh, well, I'm self-employed. I'm a tradie, which is what you just mentioned, or I run a business. We know millions of people run small or micro businesses in Australia. And so that their income is like up one minute, down the, mi the next minute, then six weeks before they get paid again, then they get paid twice in a row. Like, how do you deal with that? Uh, yeah, it's, that, that makes it a lot harder. Yeah, um, in a perfect world, all of our yeah, our income would be linear, and our expenses would be linear too. Like our, our expenses aren't aren't the same. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a week where we don't need to spend much, and then you have your your rego and your insurances and those sorts of things, and suddenly you have a a big cost that a big cost that come out. Um, the I like to look at this two different ways. The, when you have a business owner where you have that non-linear income, you might have a really successful week and then nothing. Um, that's creating a lot of other, my experience is that's creating a lot of other problems in your cash flow. Now, if if it's not creating problems in your cash flow, that tells me that the average amount that you're receiving is in excess of your expenses. And I say that because if it were equal to that of your expenses, then it would be creating tension. Because anytime you're under that level, you start to feel like you're going backward and have that mm. have that tension. Um, the uh, I, I I think there's even more value for a budget in this scenario because if you're able to identify what your expenses are, then you can reverse engineer to know specifically what you need income wise uh, in order to in order to be on track. And at the end of the day, above and beyond the the, the good outcomes, hopefully, that we all get as business owners from from our businesses, um, the businesses are there to serve us in in mm -hmm. terms of our uh, enabling us to be able to do our own things and live our own lives. And so, if your business is not achieving that outcome, you, you need to know about it. You need to know by order of what magnitude, and then obviously, what can I do at a business level in order to to get that to where it needs to be. Yeah, I don't know for me personally. Like I actually had a lot of anxiety around budgeting mm. because I had the business budget, which I was trying to balance. And that took almost all of my effort. So then when it comes to personal budgeting, I was almost like worn out, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, do you? Because do you have to? You would have clients that have businesses or even like side hustles and these types of things. Do you think of them as two discrete things, or do you try to bring it all like in the the spreadsheet that comes with the course, which is free by the way? So go and check it out. Um, does that include business income? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and and it I. Uh, we try to we try to keep it together because I guess as an extension of that that point that I just made, which is that um, the business it has to serve its its purpose for you as an individual as your business as the business owner and and a core purpose a core part of that is being able to meet your expenses mm-hmm. um, and so we need to shine a light on if that's happening or if it's not happening. I one hundred percent resonate with what you're talking about. The same experience as business owner, of course you've you've got you've got two hats on. And um, and it can be hard to to manage both of those hats, of course. Um, but I find that 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 doing that becomes easier when you start personally. And I there's uh, not there's not many okay. things that I advocate that you know, as a business owner where you we just ignore the business, put yourself first. But it's that put your own oxygen mask on first concept. You know, if you um, if you know what your expenses are. And then you know what income you need, so including tax and all those sorts of things, then and also including some variable stuff that hey, sometimes I'm not always going to hit that target. So maybe I inflate it a little bit to say that most of the time I always hit my my mm. minimum and the excess I can save, whatever. In that scenario, you you'll be so much better able to plan your business expenses and your business cash flow because you know, a mental note, I'm I'm putting myself first here. I'm taking arbitrarily eight grand at the end of the month, for example. I'm taking that, and that's a fixed cost that comes out of the business. What happens often is that business owners, that becomes this variable what's left type conversation, um, which I think is a reality for a lot of business owners, where all the costs come and go, and then whatever sort of leftover I take. And again, that that's that 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 style of thinking is um, you know is, is is fraught with danger unless you're smashing it, unless you're doing so well that cash flow is not a problem yeah, anyway. Have a problem. Yeah. Which is few people. <laughs> yeah, hats yeah. off to you for those that do well played. Yeah. yeah. If you're trying to, if so, if you've got past the point where you know what's left over each month and you're thinking, I'm ready to take the next step and have a bit more granular detail and actually make some projections on what my finances look like in the future, are you able to talk us through some of the, it's a bit hard because we don't have the spreadsheet in front of us and people are listening while they're on the train or walking the Mm. dog, but some of those features that you've included in the, the free spreadsheet that's in the course that people can work through, including some of those features, like you have the the traffic light indicators to show people if they are on track or if there's a few things they need to work on. Yeah, certainly. Um, as, as a bit of background to this particular spreadsheet, um, the, uh, this is version 17. Um, <laughs> All right. When did you start it? 2017. Okay. So um, evolving was, for a while. That was V1, yeah. And we, we set up this, we wanted this really comprehensive budget planner to give out to our, our members at the time. And um, and so we we put this thing together, and then you know we had some feedback. Oh, we, this doesn't have a line item, so we added some, and we we just kept iterating and iterating and iterating. And hmm. last year, we uh, it it was just so clear from all of our members that cash flow was like the number one thing. People just people were rightfully concerned about interest rates. They were concerned about inflation, and they're saying. I, I just want to know that I can still do those things that we that we said that we wanted to do as part of our plan, and I'm starting to feel uncertain about that. And um, and so that's when we said, okay, let's let's we've got people's expenses and we've got people's income, and it, it shouldn't be that hard to turn this into something that that 
that that models this out. I think initially it started off as a maternity, basically like a maternity leave calculator um, ah. to determine because that's a, a common thing. Our, our members might say we're we're going to spend some, you know, going to take time off to have kids. What does that look like? Um, and so it it started there, and then um, it, it it just continued to get iterated, and we're at version seventeen. The <laughs> the as you mentioned, we've got this traffic light system which enables you to understand. Uh, overall, how, what do your expenses look like as a function of uh, your um, as a function of your income? Um, are, you, are you saving well? Are you saving? Are you saving poorly? Should you be making more progress? Um, we break it down into discretionary and non-discretionary expenses. So, people's we sit down with some members, for example, that their overall savings might be quite low, but then if you look at their behaviours, their behaviours are actually really good. It's just that so many of their costs are bills. They might be, you know, they've got some. They've got some investment properties and these sorts of things, and that's really pushing their uh, pushing their expenses up. Now, of course, that's still a problem because if your expenses are very close to your income, that's a problem regardless of the composition of it. But there's a big difference between that individual and the person who has almost no over- overheads but spends you know th- five grand a month on just what I would perceive to be junk. Yeah, <laughs> I, I deliberately word it that way. Um, so uh, you'll get a very clear breakdown as to. Uh, what your expenses look like, you'll get a very clear breakdown as to from a loans perspective. You know, are your loans in good effect as a function of your income? Are your loans manageable? What happens if interest rates go up by one, two, three percent? What does that actually do to your monthly cash flow? Um, which is a, a question we're getting heaps. Uh, uh, model stage three tax cuts, which is something that I think a lot of people have sort of forgotten about. Um, that was legislated by the Liberal government a few years ago now, and it's been. Anthony Albanese said that, hey, I'm not going to touch these, and they roll through in July of 2024. So that's not that far away. And if your income is above $120,000, then you're probably going to be the beneficiary of it. If your income is above two hundred twenty or thereabouts, you're about $9,000 better off every year as a res- just in your pocket. So when your payslip comes out in July of 2024, you're going to have an extra like $750 bucks, um, in your payslip without having done a thing, without a change in your salary. So that's a really meaningful change in people's in people's income. So it, a lot of all those those things that we we the known knowns, so to speak, we've put all of those mm-hmm. in. Um, and then also, uh, for example, with fixed rates and things like that. If you're you, if you are listening to this and you have a fixed rate that is going to expire, I mean, I know exactly what the impact is going to be right now when my fixed rates expire, which is in November. Um, and I know because the, the I can enter the information and it says, hey, when that expires, here's going to be the increase and this is what it's going to do to your cash flow. Because there's a lot of uncertainty around that at the moment. And a yeah. lot of people we've seen in our community going, I'm not sure what it's going to do to my finances when it when my fixed rate term expires. Yeah. Download the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, Link a lot of people notes. do. Like our most popular um, episodes lately have been like improve your cash flow. Mm. Like, and it's because people, why do we say that? It's because the, the other two things that are implicit in that is inflation and interest rates. Yeah. Because those two things, like you said, you're on fixed rates personally, but like you're feeling the squeeze of inflation anyway. And then if you add in variable interest rates, it's like a double whammy. Mm. So the answer is, well, I need to get better with my cash flow because in, in, in many cases, people's incomes aren't keeping up. Most cases, I'd say. Definitely not over the last 12 months. Yeah. There'd be very few incomes that have kept up. Yeah. yeah if you Especially include. with the cost of groceries going up. Kate's the fruit monger regularly just to keep <laughs> those costs down. It's my personal project, keeping my groceries down at the moment. I think I'd love that, a podcast about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and the other interesting thing when we were going through your 
the cash flow spreadsheet was those projections as well, the five-year projections, because in the course, and you'll have to watch the free course yeah. uh, to, to see this, but we included some examples of planning for maternity leave and planning for a holiday and a house upgrade and how that impacts your cash flow. So you can see how the decisions you make over the next five years actually are going to impact your day-to-day. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, this has been really, really cool to talk with members about this, which is that if we know what your liquid savings are, for example, let's say that you've got $30,000 in savings, for instance, and if you're going up by $3,000 a month, well, we can track what that looks like. And then you can freely add any of those variables that you want. I think we've built it pretty easily so that you can go in and you can just, you can drop in the things that you actually want to do. You can drop in the holidays. You can drop in the mat leave. You can you can drop in the new car purchase. You can, any of those sorts of things that you think are realistic in the coming years, you can put in. And and the purpose of mm-hmm. that, of course, is it just allows us to understand what like what's what's on the horizon? I mean, we we struggle with day to day cash flow. Speaking more broadly, like as as people, most most people struggle mm-hmm. with day to day. So, if you struggle with day to day, you've got no real capacity to understand 12, 24, 36, 48 months away. Um, so yeah, we I think we've we've done a pretty good task of that. It's it's pretty well set out. Do you also get members coming through to you having completed this spreadsheet and going? Um, what I want to do is actually not achievable on my current level of income. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that is th- that's happening more mm. often than you know than, than we'd like it to right now. Um, and it's a shame because it requires you know it means that we have to make changes. Um, and no one likes making changes to their plans, of course. Um, <laughs> not when oh, not when they're You're not supposed to have changes. the answers as a financial yeah, advisor. That's Help right. me wave the wand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, spot on. Um, so so yeah, these are real conversations we're having. Um, at this point, for a lot of our members, it's not so much around. Uh, you can't do this at all. It's if you are to do this, th- we we have to change what we prioritise, or alternatively, we have to ex- we have to be more comfortable with the fact that we previously said we want a minimum of this much in savings always, and our numbers are really clear. You're going to go below that number if if you if that you do everything that you want in the order and the timing that you've outlined. So. Um, they're difficult conversations, but I'm actually really, I really love having them in the sense that I'd, I'd much rather tell someone that have the opportunity to say, tell someone, hey, you know, we're 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 running in the dark and there's a brick wall in front of us. You know, I I, I want to be able to say that to people, um, and of course, this allows us to do that. Yeah, you can shine a light on their finances. Yeah, giving you more time to sort of anticipate those trade offs you might have to make, or you might have to push the new the new house upgrade back by yeah. a year or two because the focus is affording maternity, paternity leave at the moment. With this spreadsheet and the course generally, would you advise people in a relationship, do you think it would be better if they took it together or went through the spreadsheet together or, you know, I, I guess just any general idea around that? Because like you do with clients that are in couples all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we yes, almost always. I think doing it together um, uh I mean, firstly, you get to doing the exercise together, I think, is valuable. There's a natural accountability that that comes with <laughs> saying, you know, finishing dinner and saying, we said tonight, Tuesday at o'clock, we were going to do the budget. So <laughs> let's sit down, let's not turn on binge and let's do the budget, yeah. for example. Um, uh, but then when you're, I, I think that when you're, if you're a team, so to speak, if you share your finances, um, then having the ability to, to both work together on your finances and understand what the numbers are, I, I think that it delivers better outcomes. Um, now we have, we've got members that say, look, we're in a financial sense, we're, we're not a team. You know, we mm. might have- um, Which seems to be more common than ever in yeah, our community. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's easy enough. In that scenario, I'd advocate 
each do it. Um, and then you'll have your own numbers to be able to stay accountable to. Um, so I always offer simplicity where possible. Uh, if, if, if you have that arrangement whereby um, when you go to buy groceries for your household, you're both tapping out of the same bank account, for example, or I'm tapping some and you're tapping the other, but it all sort of works out in the wash, then absolutely doing it together, I think, is the best outcome. Um, if alternatively, you've got that arrangement where financially these costs are mine and these costs are yours and there's good separation there, then you can absolutely keep it that way. Mm. And how do you deal with the conversations where people in a relationship, because I know we get a lot of questions around this topic, might have slightly different or majorly different financial goals? Very carefully. Very carefully. <laughs> um, uh, it, that, it's, it, everyone always has different you know, different goals. And I, the, I think the bigger issue here is often that people have different levels of importance that are that are, mm. that are held against those goals. So you might have a couple that come in that that say uh, that that's, that say, look, we're really clear on what we want to achieve in the coming five years. We want X and Y and Z. Um, but for one member of the couple is absolutely hell bent on doing that stuff, and the other one is sort of, I don't mind if we do it in five or if we do it in ten. Like we're life's good and we're there's yeah. no rush. That's really common to get that level of uh, that separation. Mm. Uh, and so. For us, the, the the conversation becomes very much around trying to find mutually agreeable outcomes. Um, often, uh, th that might require that the this dogged focus that one member of a couple has to mm. cut down absolutely everything until we can go and achieve that tremendous goal. Well, may maybe they need to water that down a little bit because that's actually not that's not consistent with both of your views, and vice versa. The other person might say, hey, "Look, to be honest, I'm." I'm sort of I'm happy in this current house hypothetically. I don't really need the upgrade, but I know it's important to you and I get that it would make sense. I don't feel like we need it in two years, but I know that you want it sooner rather than later. So okay, let's be a team and let's let's find a common ground here so that we know what we're doing. Can I, this is a totally different question, but I'm imagining you have clients of all walks of life from different demographics, backgrounds, and age groups. When you think about spreadsheet and what you've put together, uh, including all of the course and everything for free, do you imagine, like, I, my question is kind of, as people get older, are they more willing to do this or less willing? So you, have you come across anything like this? Because I imagine there are different things that hold people back at different stages of life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's a, well, a great question. What's the average age of a client? What, like, I'm just asking <laughs> yeah. all these questions. Yeah, firing from the hip, that's, by the way. That's fine, yeah. Um, our, our average client is 46. 46, um, okay. The The... I think there is, yeah, as in, in the sense that as you – members that are in their 50s, for example, yeah, they're a little bit more hesitant to complete a budget planner than a, a member who's in their, in their early 30s. Right. Um, uh, I mean, you could, could – we could spend a lot of time trying to work out why that would be the case. It may, if maybe I was hazard, kids or – Maybe. If I was hazard to any guess, it might be a case that there's an element of like, well, I've been doing this for a long, long time and things have been steady for a long time. Like, so there, mm. is there really a need to do it? I mean, we we advocate there are, there are two reasons why we would say, hey, you should absolutely be on a cash flow program. Um, the first one is change, and that's pretty obvious. It's when we can – we look at your overall situation and think – Okay, as a function of your income or your so, you should be making much more financial progress than you are. And one of the obvious things is that your income is here and you're, you're telling me that your savings, that singular metric, how much you're actually saving every month is here. 
and that tells me that there's some there's some problems in the system here. Um, and the second is clarity. Uh, sometimes we might put a member on the uh, on our banking program, uh, which is going through this spreadsheet and, and completing all of your information, not because we want to change your behaviours, but because we need to be sure about them. So let's imagine that we're trying to model uh, the next 10 years because in 10 years' time, we want to retire. Um, and so we want to be really, really, really clear on uh, when we can retire and what that's going to look like. Well, if you spend... 100k a year, uh, or you tell us that you spend 100k a year. When in reality you spend 116k a year, those mo- those numbers are totally different. Um, and then your numbers change again as you retire, of course, for you know for a whole heap of reasons. So, mm. um, so yes, we are. We, it, it it is super important in both cases, um, but not always do we do it just for the purpose of change. Sometimes it's just actually just knowing the numbers. Mm. And that's something we were talking about off air, that how many people overestimate or underestimate the numbers they're putting in their budget. Because I think my problem is I always underestimate it and and Mm, it never goes to plan because every month, like this month, I spent $500 at Ikea getting some new bookshelves Ah. installed and delivered. And so that was not in my budget, but I wanted it. And so, but, and then I just write it off going, oh, this is a one-off expense. But every month there's a chunky-ish one-off expense that comes through. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a great observation. Yeah, what I I take the view that there are pretty much no one-off expenses. Like it's really seldom that you'd have a genuine one-off expense. The foundations in my house are a problem. I, how could I have known it's going to cost fifteen thousand dollars? That's a one-off expense, you know. But for example, as we were talking about the the fridge that breaks down, that's horrible. That's a shame. And if you're looking at your cash flow on a week-to-week basis, sure, that's a one-off expense. But if you're taking a, a medium-term view over five years. You're going to have some appliances break over the next five years, you know, and it's it's not unreasonable to apportion an amount to say, well, if that type of thing is happening, well, over the last five years, for example, what what have I spent on appliances? And then let's let's use that and average that out over five years, and we're going to have good years and bad years depending on what happens. So yeah, you're better pulling those into your budget and thinking that they're going to happen than not thinking they're going to happen and. Spending the surplus. Yeah, mm. I guess chances are I'm going to buy some more furniture in the next five years. You're going to so buy more books, which will need more shelves. <laughs> <laughs> are they all new books? No. Okay. No, collected over the last 10 years. Yeah. So it's in boxes previously? They've been unboxed been out unboxed. of the wardrobe now, and they're, they're on the shelf. I'm very excited. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the course. So we've mentioned there's a spreadsheet that people can get for free. Um, there's obviously the videos that uh, the two of you and Monique put together, which are great. Um, but why would someone go into the course and what would they get out of it? Yeah, great question, mate. You, 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 go, you go into the course because you either sense that you need to make some changes to your cash flow, firstly, or you mm-hmm. go into the course because you want to be clear on your money. Yeah. Um, so uh, in that we were talking about personal trainers before and saying not everyone needs a personal trainer. Not everyone needs a budget planner. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but if you're looking at your finances and if – if in the cold light of day you'd acknowledge that perhaps you should be doing getting better outcomes month to month based on you know the income that you're earning and your savings, or alternatively, if you're looking at some of these costs of living that we're experiencing right now and feeling a genuine sense of uh, of concern or uh, about either where things are right now or how things are going to unfold in the future, well, now that's clarity. You know, so in in both cases, you should definitely do that. Mm. Uh, in terms of what you'll get. Um, well, you get a lot of clarity, um, <laughs> obviously, um, and you'll, you you get a tremendous amount of confidence too, in my experience, because 
if you know what the numbers are, despite the fact that they you might be feeling like it's going to be a bit confronting to go through that and and get the numbers, know, n- knowing them is is all empowering in terms of having the confidence to make those big decisions, um, as well as having a whole heap of those kilometrics too around you know that deep dive of of what's going to happen from a, a tax perspective, what's going to happen from a loans perspective. Uh, yeah. Just a holistic, so it takes in all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, and the videos really break down how to actually use the spreadsheet because a lot of people open documents and feel a bit overwhelmed, yeah. but this actually walks through and James also goes through a few examples on, well, if you're planning for maternity leave or paternity leave or you're planning for a house upgrade, how do you input that and see what impact that'll have on your mm. cash flow in the next five years, which is, I definitely haven't thought about my cash flow over the next five years, so no. I'm going to go through it personally myself. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be looking at it with a shorter term lens. You know, like Before this show, Matt, you were talking about interest rates like this being a focus for people because it, this is this is a real area of concern for people right now so it's not lost on us that you know, for a, a lot of people mm. that download this course aren't necessarily going to be thinking about their lives in 2027 or 2025 or whatever they're going to be thinking about what does the next 12 months look like and yeah, yeah and that's cool well i haven't come across anything that kind of combines a budget with the milestones so the milestones being like kids like ma- um, like a wedding or marriage, um, maternity, paternity leave. We even popped in a holiday to Fiji, didn't holiday. we? Did. Like yeah, a lot of people have yeah. those as like discre- discrete budgets, if you know what I mean. Like there's like, okay, here's my general budget that I followed, but then here's this other thing that I'm pro- like projecting forward and trying to calculate for. Isn't I can't think of anything that I've come across where it does both in one, if that makes sense. So You're welcome. Cool. okay so you can download uh the spreadsheet if you go and you enroll in the free course and you'll see videos of james explaining how every piece of it comes together and how you can maximize uh, i guess the reward for your effort in doing this as uh, he says in one of the videos it's not always easy in fact most people don't find it easy to like kind of switch on the light and look at their finances with a fine-tooth comb so um like be patient with yourself, give yourself some empathy and understand that it's okay to be overwhelmed at first, but please, we think it's a fantastic practice to get into, just try and work through that. I think one of my key takeaways from this conversation, James, is the idea of progress over perfection. And so this is a free course, so there's no barrier there. You can just enroll and start to work through it. I think that's exciting for folks, Kate. Yeah, and uh, James said most people can get through the budget spreadsheet in one to two hours and go through all the projections there. If you add watching the videos from the course, it'd probably take another hour on top of that. So in maybe two to three hours, you've got confidence over your finances and you can make some decisions from there, which is a fantastic starting point. Absolutely, it is. So, uh, James, from Northeast Wealth, mate, we really appreciate you taking the time to come and join us in the studio, but also work on the course. It's really exciting. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to share this. And yeah, you know, I, I hope for, for all of you listening, if you if you do download the, the course, I feel really confident that you're gonna get you're gonna get some great outcomes here and, and get a much better lens over something that's really, really important right now. So mm-hmm. thank you. Absolutely it is. And Kate, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. 
Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.